fantasy. It was not to me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. I hope you are staying healthy and safe during this time of extreme uncertainty. Today is the first episode of a mini series I'm going to be doing, where we will be featuring some of our artists during this time of quarantine. My first guest is Cat Edmondson, and we actually had Cat on the show almost exactly two years ago. So if you like what you hear today, then please check out that interview, which is episode 34. Today, I speak with Cat to learn about some of the unique things she is doing from home to stay creative and active as an artist. For example. Cat has created a new live show that she streams from her apartment in New York City every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can tune into Facebook to catch that, and you can also check out her new website, Cat Live. That's K A T Live L I V E, where she is archiving each episode as well as other new content. Our conversation is wide ranging and covers a lot of topics and emotions. That I would imagine many artists are going through right now, so I hope everybody finds this helpful. On a side note, I wanted to update everyone who listened to our last episode with with Bryce Rosenblum, where we highlighted the Jazz Coalition Commission Fund that Bryce has created. As I record this, the fund has raised over twenty five thousand dollars. So thank you so much to everyone who is supporting it. Now, please enjoy my interview with Cat Edmondson. Cat, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. It's good to be back. Yeah, well, it's really good to be talking to you.、Uh, so we're gonna—I'm gonna time date our conversation and let everybody know we're we're getting into the middle of April right now.、Uh, so we've all been sort of on lockdown and social social isolation for—I think we're going on week five, if that's possible. Although、yeah. I don't know about you, but I've really lost track of days at this point. <laughs> In some ways, it feels like it's gone by fast, and in some ways, it feels like we've been doing this for much longer than five weeks. I totally But, agree. There are moments、yeah. I have where I, it's, it's, it definitely feels like it's dragging on, and、um, I try not to think too hard about how long will it go on because、uh, that makes it that definitely makes it tougher. Yeah, I'm now trying But, to resort to ways that I don't have to. Leave the house that I don't have to rely on anything、um, right. to do what I need to do. So you are instance, in. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say so. For instance, last night, um, I was filming myself, um, singing a song, and um, my partner had this great idea of like having a spotlight. And so we started rummaging around the house, trying to figure out、uh, how to create a spotlight. And it turns out a, a small flashlight with paper、um, around the around the rim of it creates a, a really nice spotlight. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is this already online? Can I see this? It's not online yet, but. Um, it'll it'll get posted pretty soon. I'm trying to get crafty about how to stream myself from home or record myself from home.、Um, you know, doing something a little bit more than just me in my living room or or wh- whatever room,、um, because it seems like everyone has now gone online, and、um, and. Part of me is excited by this、um, because I've always felt that there's a certain aspect to my show that、uh, might be easy, more easily told、um, with some amount of theatrics and editing,、um, like this filming idea is something that could be explored. But、um, but I also want to add some concept to it and some production value.、Um, And meanwhile, I'm I'm not technically savvy, and I don't have gear. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, with flashlights and whatnot, how to make a show. Well, that's a good segue to ask you about 
well, just to back up for a second. So you were literally in the middle of your tour for Dreamers Do, and hearing you describe coming up with different lighting effects with flashlights and stuff makes me think of night or you know the dark rather. And are you thinking of creating anything specifically along the narrative of the album? Uh, I haven't even gotten there yet. I, ideally, I would like to. I'm, I'm starting to get all kinds of ideas. Um, and my album takes place over the course of A Sleepless Night. So, yeah, that would be really awesome. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just thinking of, like, you know, a stage and 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 repl- replicating, you know, what a stage is like with particular lighting and not just the lamps in my house. Right. Yes, it is definitely a time to be creative. My favorite definition of creativity is is uh, most people think creativity is thinking uh, outside the box, but it's actually thinking inside of a smaller box. And it sounds like all of our boxes have uh, really shrunk here. So these constraints that we're forced to deal with are creating an opportunity for some really unique output. And I've seen a lot of interesting stuff. Some stuff not, you know, it's, I guess the on the optimistic side of things is you're just, we're, we're seeing everybody really, really try new things and not worrying so much about is this going to be a hit or is this going to stick or is this going to get a ton of followers or clicks, but really just trying new things. And I think there's something refreshing about that. Like just the actual essence of the creativity and the process that you're going through, whatever you're trying to do without that kind of on your shoulders. Maybe that's easy for me to say on this side, but is that something you sort of felt these last few weeks? Yeah. I mean, I watched Saturday night live this weekend and, or this past weekend and, um, the production level is the same that I'm doing out of my house. Um, I, I thought too. Yeah. I thought. And it was really surprising. Um, and it, it, it brought up a number of things in my mind. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult time, but it's also, it's just artists in their house. Somehow we're getting to see, um, through like the the venues and the and the different ways in which people are framed on a regular basis um that mm-hmm. the platforms that make people seem like who they are and when, when you take all of that away you just have an artist in a raw space making raw material and and there is something inspiring about that um and I'm definitely in that same boat, and I'm I'm eager to see what I can what I can do. Although I I have to say you've caught me on a really good day about this because my initial reaction was a, a lot of resistance. I mean I did come off of a tour where we had we'd only played half of the shows. We had you know 40 shows. Uh, lined up for this tour and and I was so proud of this tour and the types of venues that we had lined up um and and you know the people that were expecting to see us and um so much goes into to making that happen and to getting there to, to being able to play these venues um in one's career so I was I was really excited um and and just it, my initial reaction was just it also with the climate uh, of what's going on and the devastation that everyone is experiencing i wasn't immediately feeling creative i just wanted to come home and be really quiet for a while um and then the thought of just starting completely from scratch can be overwhelming but there's some momentum happening now so we'll see what happens very very soon well, I'm getting inspired just hearing you say that because, um, you know, I, I I can relate to what you're talking about with your tour. I mean, that was, you know, you worked so hard on it to get it off the ground and, and to get it going. And then to have halfway through, you came off of the road and home into a completely different world. 
I think you should give yourself some credit for just taking some time to sort of like find your center of peace again, given everything that was going on, not to mention you are in the, sadly in the epicenter of all this right now. So I think that makes it even more tough. Yeah. I mean, fortunately I have a home right now where I can Mm -hmm. shelter in place and I'm, I'm always grateful for that. But in this time in particular, and now today the weather is, is really rough outside and people have been facing tornadoes in the South and it's, there's just a lot of obstacles right now to just feel like we're functioning normally and, and what is normal is not the norm anymore. Um, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, the, the virus doesn't happen in a, in a, in a vacuum, if you will. Like, it's not like, um, we have like these optimal circumstances and we're dealing with it. And some people are, they're so less fortunate and my, you know, my heart goes out to them because it's, oh man, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's really yeah. tough. I, I think one thing that's helped me is just trying to take this a day at a time, not worry, you know, try not to think about how long it's going to go on, but just the people in, you know, your friends and family, however you can connect with them online or on the phone or whatever, um, and to just be really grateful for them. And that's been something that's kind of helped me get through it is just, you know, kind of, I don't want to say reconnecting, but just a a much more consistent level of connection without being a good person, of course. Yeah. I read in an article today that um, Verizon Wireless has seen on a daily basis double the amount of calls that people ever make. Like the highest day of phone calls annually is usually um, Mother's Day. And now every day is double wow. what what wow. calls are made on Mother's Day. And as you know, I'm my last record is called Old Fashioned Gal and I'm and I refer to phones inextricably linked to the wall. Um so I'm I'm kind of in love with the notion that we're all getting back on the phone and connecting with each other in this way. Yeah, it's definitely a positive thing. I mean, you know, I have to admit I actually uh via Zoom met some people I work with for the first time <laughs> because of the circumstances. <laughs> It took like this horrible thing to happen for us to say, why don't we just, let's just meet each other virtually. And, um, and that was really cool. Like some of these people that, um, you know, are in different parts of the country that I book shows with, I just literally never seen them before. And not only was I seeing them for the first time, but we were seeing each other's homes. You know, you're meeting this person virtually in their home. And, you know, that was really cool. That was really, really cool. You're not just putting a face. Uh, to the email address or anything like that. Like you're actually kind of for uh, however long the conversation is getting to know these people. So that was really neat. Is it possible that um, the present circumstances are eliminating a certain amount of pretense in the way that we interact? And, I think it, and know I think it has to. I think it really That's has really to because cool. – yeah, I mean, there's no, there's not going to be like going back to the normal, as you kind of were just saying. Whatever the new new is going to be, I mean, I have to think that um, there just has to be more support for each other across the board. It really does. I don't well, know what that, that looks like, but I don't know, but that is a glorious thing. Whatever shape yeah. or form it comes in. Yeah, definitely. Um. So, so what else? So, it's worth mentioning those shows that you weren't able to do uh, are in the process or have been rescheduled. So, yes. that will definitely be out there for people to look forward to. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to continuing this tour. My my band right now is um, in top form, and we're we're thrilled. Uh, because actually the opportunity to play so frequently together as of late, um, prior to everyone having to go home, um, we've, and we've been playing together for years now. There's a connection that's undeniable and, and what's happening on stage is, um, 
very much in the moment. It's live, and it, it's a wonderful showcase of all of the individual talent in the band and things that we're trying every night um, just to see what we can do. And um, it's, it's thrilling to have this kind of experience that really can only happen within a company that's been moving together for a certain period of time. And everyone's really happy, and um, I, I, I love it. I can't wait to do more. Well, I have to imagine, too, the first show you guys get to do together, the first live show in front of people, that's probably, I mean, that's going to be a really emotional show for so many reasons. And have you thought about that or what? Um, I guess that I have a couple of questions, but let's just start there. What does that look like in your mind? Well, I know on a personal level it will be. Um, there's a deeper connection now with the band. And um, we've been, as I mentioned, we've been playing for years, but there was always and, – and everyone's very professional in the band, so everyone has always been, you know, friendly, functioning within the band and friends for the period of time that we're on the road. But the friendships have grown and – we all check in with each other now. We all send messages about how excited we are to, to get to play together again. And, and then as of late, we've just been reaching out to one another to see if everyone's okay and see how everyone's doing. Um, so it's sort of a family that's been formed. And, yes, it will be an emotional show. And we'll all feel so grateful just to get back up there. I mean, now that all of this has happened, it turns out the opportunity to play a show is now a, a great luxury. If it wasn't before, it yeah. is now. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I really, I mean, a lot of the conversations I've been having with presenters these past few weeks, the, there's no, um, like, there's no unanimous consensus on what audiences will do or won't do. You know, that's making it's difficult because nobody really knows when people will, will feel safe again to be with each other in large capacities. And I don't I mean, I don't think it's possible, of course, to put an actual date when that'll happen. But I do think it will happen. I think I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. I mean, maybe it's a series of steps where gatherings of a certain number of people are, you know, are safe again and that number increases over time which actually wouldn't be a bad thing because then people aren't rushing into, you know, just being with tons of people again. It's really a little bit more uh, subdued um, or maybe that won't happen. And, it, you know, you just, it's, there's just no way to know. It's really hard. Yeah. And, and hard to plan. <laughs> yes. <Because> of... <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Are yeah, you finding the, that? Um, Venues are tentative to book because of that? Yeah, uh, although, like, far, far out, like, uh, a year from now doesn't seem to be a problem. We're still we're still looking at a moving picture for the summer, and that changes every day. As you would imagine, it gets a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more grim every day because – these uh, summer festival cancellations keep coming in and yeah. that's been difficult because the initial like when you were on tour and you had to stop in March and April for me I was really naively hopeful that uh, maybe the worst of it would be March and April as far as social gatherings and distancing and everything and then by May things would open up again but that's obviously not the case now so you know, I'm I'm still like you. <laughs> I'm still getting over the the loss of shows for March and April, and mm -hmm. getting trying to get my head around beyond that. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like I'm just you got to take it a day day at a time, and kind of plan as best you can. I mean, I will say one thing that's been helpful for me is to, and this is um, uh, a question that I was asking a lot of the people, a lot of the presenters I've been speaking to is to think about, like, when the all-clear signal happens again, what are you 
you know, what are you going to do? In other words, can you use this time now to sort of create a plan of action so when things are ready to open up again, you know what to do? So that's been helpful to at least focus on that. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit hard to date that, of course, because we don't know when that date is, but we can at least start to identify things that we can focus on. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been good. And so one thing that's come through all that um is how people, how presenters are looking to use live streaming and and what opportunities are there and all sorts of stuff like that. And everybody is like, just to go back to the earlier point, I mean, everybody is really experimenting right now because nobody's really done this before. Right. When you talk to your band or other artists, what is sort of the, what are some things that you're hearing? Everyone is um, trying to adapt to working and functioning online now. Um, For musicians that are gigging, um, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are band leaders, but I know way more musicians just as it goes by default that are... um, side women and men um because um a musician is an instrumentalist and they and they play and and they they play in bands and they back people up and um this really puts those people on their heels because not all of them are um pursuing their own individual projects um so i my heart really goes out to them, my friends that are trying to figure out what to do now. They're basically feeling unemployed, um, and they don't know how to shift entirely. Um, mm-hmm. And now they're trying to learn basic forms of revenue online, Um like, you know, how to put up YouTube videos and and make money off of advertising from that, which I saw this huge movement among musicians to try and do that. But um, it's really hard to make more than just a few cents from YouTube advertising and things like that. So it's not really a viable option. <laughs> um, yeah. And in terms of my friends that are... Um, have been pursuing their own projects. They're just doing it even more online. Um, I don't think that anyone's panicked yet because this is still so new. Um, You know, if we're entering in, I mean, this is essentially a depression uh, that we're seeing. Um, I don't know what to call it. But that will um that will be felt uh on a larger scale down the line when people run out of funds completely um and there's no nest egg or no security um so I don't know I don't know what we're all gonna do, but right now, I know that you can play online and you can get tips that way. One thing that I struggle with, for instance, is calling it tips. Um, When um, that kind of implies that a a musician is being done the favor of receiving a tip for playing for free. Um, And I don't mean to put that in a negative light, um, but um, that very same musician has been charging a standard price for a concert ticket. Um, so there's, I, I, I'm wondering if the wording can just be changed from tipping um, uh, to, like, you know, I don't know what, what it should be called, like, con- like performance um 
not even the word donation implies that the artist is begging um when they're actually offering something that's that's payable as a service like when you would buy music um i think it's important that when we when we take in other people's art we perceive it as such um that it's a commodity that we're willing to pay for beyond a, a charitable donation um because i think the arts are 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 not just a charity they they express our humanity it's entirely needed and if we were to lose them we would see why um so i'm 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 trying to figure that one out <laughs> and are you cat are you speaking specifically about setting up payments for doing something like a live stream or when i'm just thinking about when you say tips or donations because that's what i've seen a lot yeah. of yeah sorry for not doing. Here. I'm talking about when we live stream right now, just because of the nature of the way that it's set up, you can, you know, people will put up their Venmo link and, um, and, or something on certain sites like that are akin to a tip bucket or maybe they're called tip bucket. Um, and maybe that's just okay, but I'm, what I'm noticing is the perception of that. Um, well, it's that, like a virtual pass the hat. Yeah, but it overlooks. Um, it, it, I just would love to change the wording and the the perception of it. Um, well, maybe there's a way to pre to charge a virtual ticket so you are paying ahead of time for yeah. access for the show instead of kind of having the option there to donate because you're right otherwise it would always be perceived that way as opposed to having a fixed price ahead of time for the show however um and, and that's a really good point and there are sites that are specifically designed for you to do that but the problem with that is um one's fans don't exist on those sites and to try and move a fan base from one site over to another is not an easy thing. In fact, it can be near impossible. So the easiest places to do this sort of thing right now are on Facebook and on Instagram where your fans already exist. And and the things that are set up um, that enable people to pay are like, you know, posting a Venmo link or... Um, there's another site, uh, I can't think of it right now, um, Twitch. I was looking um, at, yeah, Twitch, I was just going to say, there's Twitch. But that's, so but that's, yet again, like another site where you have to build up a following. So, right. um, so right now, like in my, where I, from where I stand, it would be easier to just do a, a live thing on Facebook and Instagram and call it, you know, and, and request donations, but, um, and it's not, a, it's not a pride thing. I just think that there's, there's a different way to look at it than artists receiving donations. Um, because, you know, artists have found a very legitimate way to work and live, uh, without being perceived as, um, you know, hand to mouth and only ever living off of tips and a hat. Um, so I don't, I don't know the answer immediately, but I, it's, it's a good question to raise, I think. I agree. And I was looking, somebody sent me a link to a website called Patreon, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon. And it's, it's um meant to kind of do what we're talking about but it it's the same it's the same challenge which is that you can't you have to it all has to exist through this website so the your fans would have to go there and make an account and do all that and i think it's good that you're mentioning this as a challenge cuz maybe if, if there's anybody out there listening who wants to figure out a better way to integrate the platform with uh, the existing social media there's definitely an opportunity there. Yeah, it seems like it. 
You know, it's interesting. I was trying to think about uh, this from a historical context, meaning um, just the whole live live music scene. When has there been another point that was prohibitive for uh, for artists to do what they do? And of course, you know, after 9/11 in New York was a really sad, sad time, and, and everything was closed. And in 07, 08, 09, the Great Recession made it prohibitive from a budget standpoint for a lot of people to see music. But, of course, this is so different because, first of all, you can't see it. So that whole fear factor of not being able to see something that could get somebody sick um, is really tough because um, a lot of people haven't, unfortunately, gotten their heads around how serious this is in, in our country. That's true. <laughs> and makes the makes the time that this will take even longer. But um, it's hard to think about another time in history where something like this made live performance difficult. I, I was doing some research, and I remembered actually reading about this when I was in college, but in World War II, there was um, the cabaret tax, which basically uh, had venues were mandated by the federal government to be charged like a 30% tax if there was dancing or live music. And the effect of that was that it really all but killed um, big bands, which were so popular then. But even that is completely different <laughs> because even then you could still be there. You just either had to pay the tax or you couldn't have a big band. Wow. Wow. And so that that must have been the beginning of the smaller ensembles. Is that definitely is that, yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was a big factor. In... so much at that point. That's so cool. Exactly. Yeah, that was a huge factor in going from large big bands and swing dance music to sit-down music and bebop and everything else is history. But, yeah, the cabaret tax was really big. So I wonder what the equivalent of that will be going forward. I mean, obviously one ramification is, is everything digital. Um, I don't know. I mean, I also try and think about, you know, because you talk to people and people will say, well, nothing will replace live music and being at a venue and seeing it and experiencing it. And I, to I totally agree. I'm obviously biased. But you could also make the same argument about saying, how could anything replace buying an album and playing it uh, on a record player and having it in your hands? Right. And of course, that's all right. gone now, too. Yeah. So I guess, you know, you never say never. Yeah, I guess not, Mike. I wonder what the venues, are they even thinking so far in advance that, I mean, will the venues be um, going online as well? I mean, I know a lot of them are uh, out of necessity for the time being, but are they going to start to think in a more long-term way about, um, putting on concerts exclusively to their venue and selling tickets online? Is, are they talking about that? Well, I would say since we're already halfway down this rabbit hole, we should keep going. <laughs> and from what I know, before the virus hit, like years ago, right, a lot of investments has been made into virtual reality and um, augmented reality and all, all basically sort of planning for when 5G networks are the main – it is how we use everything. I should say how we access everything. And mm -hmm. so at that point, because the, because it's so instantaneous, combined with really advanced virtual reality technology where if I have a, a headset on and the sound is amazing and I'm sitting on my couch, so the question becomes – um, what would I rather do? Would I rather would I rather spend time going into the city, uh, you know, fighting crowds to get to a seat for a concert, or put on this headset where the quality is outstanding? And oh, by the way, not only do I have a front a front row seat every time, I can actually move the camera uh, to any point on the stage, so I could be sitting next to the drummer or the singer, whoever I want to be sitting next to, and experience it like that where the quality is so good, it's arguably better than what people think of now as that great live experience. 
And so I, what I'm describing is not anything new by any means. I mean, people are working on it, and 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 that would be coming regardless of regardless of um, how we're all living with this virus. But I would imagine because the changes are going to be so vast because of uh, social distancing and everything, it's only going to exacerbate that process. So, I mean, that kind of eliminates, in my mind, that eliminates everything except for the artist. <laughs> because if everything is basically being recreated digitally, um, except for the art itself, which you could also argue could be recreated digitally, there's no need for the venue. There's no need for a manager or an agent. It's all digital, and it's this, like, insane quality. I could be way down this rabbit hole and have lost sight of reality myself. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you're, there, are, there are some people that are functioning that way now. Um, but what what it leaves the artist to do is suddenly be like a producer and a lighting director and a stage designer and know how to run sound and um, know all about video technology and equipment and I mean there's well, so many for the artist to be yeah. hearing. In well, I don't even think you would have to do that. I mean, this is. You know, obviously, this is not my field of expertise. But when all of that is combined with AI, you don't even have to worry about any of that. Like, you you could on command say, I want, you know, you're just speaking out loud to this computer program, and it's creating the environment you want without you having to technically program anything or have a technical background in it. You're literally just saying out loud to this program what you want this to look like, and it is showing you what it could look like, and you're going through different options. Wow. And I don't think that's actually that far off. Like I think I think for sure what I'm talking about we will see for sure in the next 15 years. I, I don't think it's that far off. I think it'll become more a question of affordability, like how expensive is this technology um and at what point does it become what point does the technology become affordable so it is actually the the preferred platform of choice over spending I'm going to make up a number, $35 on a ticket or more, right, to go down to see the show. That's mm -hmm. sort of like that point at which things would change, the tipping point, if you will. Wow. Well, where do we go from there, Mike? <laughs> I think for you, you just need to keep writing great songs. <laughs> <laughs> and so when all I'm this happens, you can – you can talk about how at one point you were experimenting with flashlights and paper because you were trying to do this virtually anyway. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, like I said, that's a rabbit hole that we could go down forever. What else should we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you listening um, to these days? Oh... You know, to be honest, I haven't been listening that much. Um, but um, recently, um, actually it was last week, I just spent a whole day listening to music. Um, it was the first time in a long time that I had done it. And um, there was a few artists that I was going through and checking out. Alan Toussaint, um, Stevie Wonder, Aretha Franklin, Bill Withers, and John Prine, um, because of their passings last week, I just went back and started listening to them a lot. And then um, Lyle Lovett, who uh, I've I know and I've toured with and recorded with, and um, was a fan of for a long time um, and so went back to some of his catalog and, and was listening to stuff that I really hadn't listened to intently before. Um, I find, and Paul Simon, I've been listening to a lot of Paul Simon. I find that I'm seeking um, a warm sound, a comforting sound right now, 
I'm not really listening to music with that express certain sentiments of longing or angst. Um, I I really want to just hear music that that conveys a sense of peace and settling in. Um, and it's no surprise because here I am, hungered down and settled in um, for an indefinite period of time. Uh, so, and I can't go anywhere, so I'm not compelled to listen to music that compels a lot of emotion. Um, yeah, so, I, and there's like a particular time period too that's appealing to me. It's like music from like the mid 70s to like the mid 90s right now, and like a lot of adult tempos. <laughs> um and smooth rock and, and things like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think and of what I've been report. listening to. <laughs> weather report. Which <laughs> <laughs> as we have seventy mile hour winds today and rain. <laughs> um you know, I'm probably late to the party, but I just saw the movie Garden State for the first time. Oh really? A great movie. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. And a great soundtrack. But and a great soundtrack, yes, exactly. That's I've been listening to the soundtrack from that since I saw it. You know, a handful of these songs I I was already really familiar with, but yeah, great, great soundtrack for sure. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's got The Shins, it's got Coldplay, it's got Simon and Garfunkel, Iron and Wine, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember the music was great. I would watch it again. Okay. It's just odd odd enough that, like, you could watch it more than once and get something out of it. um, I've I've been watching Alien and Aliens. Really? It was an event at our house, a two-night event. Yeah. And we did, we did a very in-depth look, right, very in-depth look at both films, very different films. And um, I think we're going to explore the subsequent films as well. <laughs> um, I what have to say, to be watching those movies? <laughs> it feels relevant to this time, this alien virus that is upon us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people neglecting to enact the necessary protocol to keep us safe. It's the same kind of things are happening in those films. Um, I got to say, your timing is hilarious because I was just watching, I was looking, you know, kind of scrolling through movies the other day to see if I wanted, if we wanted to watch anything. And uh, and Aliens was on, and I watched, and I've seen that movie before, but it's been a long time. But I watched the trailer for it, for the original Aliens, and I thought, hands down, this is the greatest movie trailer I've ever seen in my life. Because I don't know if you if you guys watched the trailer before you watched no, the movie. Yeah, I have to watch it. Okay, you got to watch the trailer because the trailer is footage of a spaceship. Um, but there's no indication of like, it's not like you're looking at like a spaceship that was destroyed or, in, you know, it's, it's, it's completely intact, except it's completely empty. But there's no, uh, sound except for maybe like, like almost, um, uh, maybe I'm not remembering correctly. I just, it, it's very silent. There might be some sound in the background, but you're going through the spaceship and all your, you know, you're not seeing, you're, you're not hearing anything. And then it ends with like this control panel where there was like a distress signal. But that's it. <laughs> and it's like the most eerie, um, less is more sort of footage of, for a movie you could ever imagine. And it is, it is really haunting and really effective. So it's been, and, and I think this was like last week I was watching this. So it's been oh, in my mind cool. again to rewatch the movie. Oh, I highly recommend it. It'll be a really good time. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful film. <clears throat> I mean, I have to say, um, it really does work from a place of less is more, whereas the the sequel is is more is everything. I mean, it's so 1986 when it came out versus yeah, 1979. Yeah, much bigger budget. Right. Um, and, I mean, there are, 
Sigourney Weaver was relatively unknown. Um, right, right. That probably, Alien probably put it on the map. It, yeah, it did. And the people that wrote the screenplay for Alien were like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like effects guys that were making effects uh, for film. Um, and just had a passion for science fiction. And Ridley Scott, um, had really only done one movie prior to that. So everybody was basically, you know, new or, um, I mean, it was an experimental film and they were just taking this chance and they had gotten a partner in 20th Century Fox, um, who subsequently made a lot of money off of the film and tried to hide how much money they made um, and say that they were taking a loss, but they were ultimately sued by the production company that, you know, put everything together. And, you know, and now it's obvious, like, there were, there were never any losses on these films. They've been made over and over and over again. So I'll be curious to see um, what the next ones are like and if any of them can compare to the original Alien, which is in my opinion, so much better than the the sequel. But what's funny is the sequel came out and got rave reviews and Academy Awards um, when it came out. And, oh, and when I watch it now, I just it, it's just like laughable. The dialogue is it, it, there's no substance and it's playing off of every gimmick and there's hardly a narrative or a flow. Um, I'm going to try and make a comparison here, which might completely fall flat on its face, but I have nothing to lose. <laughs> but would you say, tell me if this is a fair comparison, is the original Alien, or, or um, is the original Star Wars, if we can compare Star Wars to the Beatles, can we compare the original Alien to Led Zeppelin? Do <laughs> you see where I'm trying to go with this? Oh, wow. So, I'm like, thinking. just to, like, sort of sum both bands up, right? If 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 Beatles are more of like a happy go lucky group and Led Zeppelin was sort of the anti Beatles. And if right. the original Star Wars is um you know, it's it's a love story, it's a it's a space opera, blah blah blah. But Alien is a horror movie, right? And right. um Alien came out uh, a couple years after the original Star Wars. And Led Zeppelin was after the Beatles, so I'm trying my best to make this comparison. <laughs> but yeah, it is I mean, <laughs> I think I think that you can draw those parallels for sure. I always hear Stones Thank you. the Beatles, but I like I like it. I like Zeppelin to the Beatles. That's great. Well, and the other thing Definitely. too is you couldn't have you couldn't have one without the uh, without the other, and you couldn't have. Right. I don't think you could. I mean, maybe you could have them without the other, but they wouldn't be as appreciated as side by side if they weren't there together. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> I like it. That's what I got. We're talking I about important stuff here. Yeah. I know. Yeah, we, it's okay. We lost listeners about 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Do you edit <laughs> these? They've far better things. Will you edit it? Will you edit it? No, this in no, no, this this is great. great. Whatever. Yeah. Edit it. I have nothing to. I mean, I could edit it. Why would I edit it? I don't know. Most people edit their podcasts. <laughs> no, no, no editing here. Sorry. Okay, great. I like it. <laughs> well, if nothing else, maybe people are going to watch that. Watch Alien now. I know I am because I, like I said, I wanted to watch it anyway. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to watch it again. But at the least, I'm going to watch um, the trailer. I have to yeah. say, even as interesting as Tiger King was, I preferred Alien. I have still managed to hold out with Tiger King and not watch it yet. I wouldn't let it build up too much. I would just watch it, you know, get it over with. It's <laughs> it's it's something you actually. It's going to be referenced in culture for so long. You're just going to have to watch it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I guess, yeah, I mean, what I've heard about it is that it's so questionable if it's actually real that 
just knowing that it might have been staged just makes me not want to watch it. Like, I, I, I guess I would find it entertaining if it was real and however insane these people are. But if there's a chance that it was completely staged, that just makes me completely not want to watch it. Oh, no, there's no chance. No, because it's like a true crime. People ended up in jail. No, this happened. Really? All right. Absolutely. Somebody was saying they watched it, and they were like, it was questionable because somehow there was, like, cameras at every – conveniently at, like, every um, point throughout this thread and narrative. And so they were just wondering, like, was this actually real? I think the reason why they had the cameras – I mean, we wondered the same thing, but um, these people are so self-obsessed. Um <laughs> It's like the lowest of the low of, I mean, it's like crabs in a barrel. And they just did, they're watching reality TV. They were creating their own reality TV. No, the reason why there's cameras everywhere all the time is because these people, like, are just glorifying themselves in every way possible. And it's unbelievable. It's it's like, it's unbelievable, but it actually happened, Mike. <laughs> so that part is true. No, it's I'm straight up watch it crazy what happened. Yeah, yeah. If there was ever a time to watch something like that, it's certainly now. Once you start watching, you won't be able to stop. Yeah. Because they, they, you can't write a narrative. Like, if someone were to make a movie, it would. this would happen in, like, six films, and you wouldn't believe the ending. You wouldn't believe that, like, you just can't write this stuff. Literally, no one would think to do it. It's unbelievable. All right. Well, you've sold it well. <laughs> I'm going to watch Thanks it. for taking the time to talk. Likewise. Yeah, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. And I'm so glad you're healthy, you're safe, and everybody in the band is doing well. And everybody listening, thank you for making it this far in this episode. <laughs> we definitely, the wagon came off. You know, the wagon lost the wheels a long time ago, but but please be on the lookout for Kat's uh, rescheduled tour dates because that's in the works, and those shows are going to be so so special. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I'm really looking forward to them. Yeah, me too. All right, Kat. We'll hang in there. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you And is this the last stage when the no more to shine but give way to a day that isn't mine will it pass me by before my time is it too dream